Brother Brother Ross will bring us the lecture on the subject part of God. The scripture reading will be Esther, the fourth chapter. Esther 4. When Mordecai received all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandments and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther, maid in her chamberlain, came and told her, told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hathach, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to meet to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hathach went forth to Mordecai and to the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasures for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. And Hathai came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Hathai, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's serfs and the people of the king's province do know that whatsoever, whether any man or woman, shall come unto the king and to the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape from the king's house more than the Jews, all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thou peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance rise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, 
and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, day or night. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Attention to the words of Brother Strong. It's nice to be with you again and to be able to say a few words out of God's book, the Bible. For we recognize and appreciate what the Bible teaches. The only thing that is worth anything in this life all the things that are worth in this life are the things that are associated with the things of God or with God. We have lived long enough upon this earth to see many things and all of it has done to us has proved what the book says but that is the only thing that is worth anything. You can strive for many other things. You can be successful in attaining them. And when you get them, what do you do with them? What good are they? How do you feel about them? They leave you empty, and you're off in another direction trying to keep your mind occupied. Not so with the things of God. Among other things that can be called, things that this can be called is the era of education. This time that we're in right now, among many other things, can be called the era of education. When more time and money has been spent in this direction than any other time in history. It is sort of ironical that we are assembled Here tonight, in one of the modern institutions of learning, there is under this same roof being taught two distinct wisdoms. The wisdom that the Apostle James says reading from the third chapter, the 15th or 17th verse, he says that there is the wisdom that descendeth not from above. It's earthly, sensual, and deadly. 
And he also says that the wisdom that is from above, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The Apostle Paul evaluates these two wisdoms by saying in the first chapter of the first book of Corinthians, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And we here tonight are having the opportunity to witness the truth of these words in man's failure to solve all his problems by education. I think I'd better qualify my remarks on that because I said something in the class today and I do not want you to think under any, in any circumstances that I am against education. What I am trying to put forth is that education is necessary but it should be sought for in the proper way and used in the proper way. For after all the time and effort and the money has been spent on education, the result is worse than the beginning. And I do not believe that too many will disagree with that. But after a period of at least 15 years of everybody saying that everything is in education, we've got a lot of institutions in operation. We've got people going there, coming out with degrees. So have they learned how to live? We have more trouble today than we ever did. That in itself, I believe, is an indication that the way that man is striving at this moment in relation to education is not the answer. We should think about this a bit. Education is not wrong in any sense. But it has to be seasoned with salt. It has to be blended with the Word of God if it is to be of any value. So by comparison here tonight, comparison with the higher education that this building represents, we are going to talk about something rather Simple. <clears throat> Our remarks this evening are taken from the book of Esther. 
Many words have been spoken in relation to the male in the book. But the female is all not forgotten either. And there is definite value, a lesson for us to be learned from them. In other words, any part of God's word is a part of his basic teaching, and if we look at it from that standpoint, we believe that there is a benefit in there for us all, whether it is about male or female. Esther is the only book in the scripture that the name of God is not mentioned. Peculiar, but it's a fact. And this fact should not be looked upon as a weakness in the book, as the teachings of it is highly spiritual. A mother, among other aspects of a divine teaching in it, there is a very human side depicted which can be very beneficial to us all, both young and old. Life is a very uh, complex thing which many people are finding out in this present age. In their confusion, they are destroying themselves. Now, we had the opportunity one time to witness a very strange incident which, when considered, illustrated a basic principle in the Word of God. We were down in Florida some years ago, and we were clearing off property down there, burning up what they call live oaks down there, and I believe if you see them, you can understand why they call them live. They're full of all kinds of insects. But the point was, we had a good bonfire going, and we were burning up these logs, getting ready to build something on the property. We went to a pile of logs that were had been sitting there for some time to put onto the fire. And as we we were not aware that in these logs there was a nest of snakes. We just went over there and picked them up drew them away and started to put them on the fire when there was confusion all around. We were all aware of this as we started to put them up, pick, uh, to pick them up, and we put them on the fire. And as we disturbed the logs, many of the little snakes were uncovered, or they fell out of the log. Now this was their nest. 
And we watch to our amazement these little snakes attempt to get back to their nest by crawling into the fire and destroying themselves. We took their home away from them. That's all they knew. And they made it their business as much as possible to follow that home wherever it went, even into the fire or where they were destroyed. At the time, it seemed strange to us. But as we pondered over it, we came to realize that the snake still bears in its makeup characteristics which it symbolically represents in God's Word. The serpent is the carnal mind of man. And the incident here portrayed so clearly what a foolish thing it is to, to follow it, for it will lead you right back to the destroying fire. It is another example of how God has used the natural to prefigure the spiritual and to teach lessons that man would not be able to receive under any other condition. This was a very interesting and valuable lesson to us after we had had time to ponder upon this because it seemed so foolish that these snakes would go into the fire and destroy itself. But man is doing exactly the same thing. Maybe he doesn't think he's foolish any more than the snakes did. But the point was, they destroyed themselves. The man is doing the same thing. Now let us return our thoughts to Esther. Esther. She can be said to represent, among other things, the enemy of the serpent, the destroyer of God's people. We are particularly interested in the course of Esther's life. How though the course of it was unknown to her, yet it led her in a direction which presented her with the opportunity to help fulfill the purpose of God. This is a very important point for all of us to remember. that God is still ruling in the affairs of men and he's still ruling in the affairs of the individual. And we're being foolish if we ignore that. And Esther here is an excellent example of this very fact. Yet it led her in a direction which presented her with the opportunity to help fulfill the purpose of God. How do we know 
where we are going or what we will do as we go. We don't know. But we can feel sure <clears throat> that God will present us <clears throat> an opportunity if we are desirous of fulfilling his will to help bring about his purpose in this earth. When we are young particularly, we do not have the slightest idea <clears throat> what our lives hold in store for us. In fact, we have said many times, people say, I wish I knew what was ahead of us, and our answer to them is, you're probably better off if you don't because you might commit suicide. We have this, do I have the slightest idea of what our lives hold in store for us? But we can rest assured that if our hearts are desirous of pleasing our Creator, there will be work associated with the fulfillment of God's purpose on this earth for each one of us to do also. We can rest assured that that will be the case. <clears throat> there are several thoughts which we have gathered from the book of Esther for our consideration. If you wish, you might turn to the, um, the book of Esther. We won't go out of it much. But we find <clears throat> Our first point, we have ten points here in relation to her. And our first point is that we find she was a young Jewish woman. Or she was a child of God. Because all Jews were children of God. And she was a young Jewish woman. We find that in the second chapter, the fifth and the seventh verses, which we'll read. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Tish, a Benjamite. And he <clears throat> brought up a daughter, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, who Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. You will find that this is a characteristic of the Jew that is not violated. My present position, I have been thrown in a different atmosphere entirely, and one of the things that has changed considerably is that I am in the company of a Hungarian Jew who went through the Second World War traveling from house to house. In fact, he told me for two whole years he never slept in the same bed two nights in a row. He was there after the war in Hungary started up again, was successful in business. The communists came in and took over Hungary 
and he will speak with a price on his head. But the point that I'm trying to make in relation to him is that I have learned things in relation to the Jewish people that they take care of their people like no other people do. And Mordecai was no different. When this young girl was left without a mother of her father, the uncle took over and reared her and sought for her welfare. So she was a child of God. And she was related to King Solomon, I mean King Saul, three kids. We got down here in the fifth chapter, I mean the fifth verse of the second chapter, that Mordecai, the son of Jael, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. And first Samuel, nine, one and two, associate uh, with the uh, with Kish. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Berechot, the Korah, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and a goodly, and there was not a among the children of Israel, a goodlier person he. So that this woman here, Esther, the child of God, was related to King Saul, who did. She was of royalty. Our second point, she was a captive in a king. Sixth verse here in the second chapter of Esther who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. She was a captive in a strange land. She was placed there beyond her control. Now, this was not her choice. She had no choice. She was placed there in the strange land beyond her control. And being a captive also placed her without any rights of citizenship. She had no rights in the land in relation to citizenship. Our third point. She was subject to the decrees of the land, however, in the eighth verse. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together under Shusha in the palace, to the custody of Hegai, the, uh, that Esther was brought also under the king's house, to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. She had no voice in the matter, she was a captive in a strange land, placed there without, uh, beyond her control, without any rights or citizenship, 
but she was still subject to the decrees of the land. Do these things tell us something? A fourth point. The heathen queen was removed for disobedience. In the first chapter, the 19th and 21st verse. If it please the king, let there go the royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti came no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Manukin. So the queen was uh, removed because of her disobedience. A fifth point, we find Esther is obedient under Mordecai. The second chapter, the 20th verse here. Esther had not yet killed her kindred nor her people. For Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Even when she was out on her own under the, and was queen of this great empire, she respected Mordecai and she obeyed his voice. She was obedient under her parents. At this point, Esther is chosen queen over the heathen nation. The 17th verse of this second chapter. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of backside. Our seventh point is provided and prepared by God for the deliverance of her people. Can we see how the life of Esther here, through no control of her own, probably no thought of her own along these lines at all, is reaching a conclusion where she is prepared to process I have been prepared by God for the deliverance of her people. From the fourth chapter, the fourteenth verse. For if thou all together holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? It is not only an indication that God has placed her there, but it's also an indication that God's decree, His purpose, shall be fulfilled, 
And if one fails, another will be raised up to take its place. So she was prepared, provided and prepared by God for the deliverance of her people. In our first period class, we're having a similar thought in the man Moses. Our eighth point, there is a very human aspect here. Her concern for herself. She was mortal, and she had all the feelings of a mortal being. In the fourth chapter, the seventh to eleventh verses here. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, and all the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury, for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication before him and to make request before him for her people. And Hathak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther. <coughs> spake unto Hathak, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in under the king these thirty days. She definitely was concerned about herself. And it is a natural thing. We all have that tendency But she came to a conclusion, which is here in the uh, 16th verse. She says, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and ye of eat the drink three days, uh, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. There was her decision. And there was the, the final battle over South at that time. We have said many times that carrying out the decision is simple 
in comparison to making the decision. Because making the decision is bending our will to the will of God. We are fighting that battle every inch of the way. We do not want to bend to it. But when we have finally come to the decision of what we should do, then putting it into operation is very simple. And that was the case here with Esther. She had probably a terrific period of struggle in herself, trying to maybe find a way out of it and realizing that there was no way. Her teaching by Mordecai, obedience to him, led her to only one decision, or one answer, and that was to submit to it. And there was the overcoming of self in Esther. She was willing to sacrifice her life for her people, the climax of her preparation. Our last point in connection with Esther then is the result of her willingness. The result is, or was, he was a victor over their enemies. He was a victory over death. Because the decree that went forth was to annihilate and destroy her people. In the seventh chapter, the sixth and the tenth verses we read. And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Victory over their enemy, death. Now, what are these incidents in Esther's life he got? First, we'll go through these points as we took them with Esther. The first of them, she was a young Jewish woman, a child of God, related to King and Saul to King. That, that we are members of the family of God through the Abrahamic covenant and related to royalty through the Davidic covenant. What a high calling. Can we think of ourselves in those terms? We're not prominent in the world. We don't have any statues being erected in memory of us. Or plaques put out. But we're children of God. And as such, we're members of the family of God through the Abrahamic covenant 
and related to royalty through the Davidic covenant. Do we pay any money for that? The gift of God is free. People are spending every last penny they have to get recognition and it brings them nothing. The second point then, a captive in a strange land, placed there beyond their control. Because we are captives in a strange land. Regardless of where we were born here, we have denied or given up our citizenship in this land. Because it's impossible to have two citizenships. It isn't exactly impossible in the way of the world's way, but it is as far as God is concerned and under the proper way of looking at it. You can't be two things at once. So we, by we giving up our citizenship and becoming part of the kingdom of God, we are captives in a strange land. And we have no right of the land through citizenship. That I think we should remember. That we've given up that, and as such, when we gave it up, we gave up all rights to the land through our citizenship. And that shows a help from the alien. The third point then, that we are subject to the laws of the land in which we live. That even though she was a captive in the strange land, she was still subject to the decrees of the land. That by our giving up our citizenship does not relieve us of the laws of the land. We are still subject to them. We have no power to evade or to change them. We said that we were going to talk about something simple. We think we are simple because we think we are basic. They can be built upon. The fourth point. The heathen queen was removed for disobedience. The world is punished and cast off from salvation because of disobedience. The fifth point, uh, Esther was obedient under Mordecai. So what does that teach us? It teaches us that we should be obedient unto our parents or guardians. These are clear-cut thoughts, which is a little hard to rationalize, really, without, I think, some feeling of guilt that you're doing it. The sixth point, Esther's chosen queen over the heathen nation. The faithful and obedient will be chosen as the king's bride and rule over the heathen world. He said we had a very high calling. These are high thoughts. The seventh point, she was guided and prepared by God for the deliverance of her people. We are provided 
and we are being prepared for the deliverance, the deliverance of natural Israel, granted by the king. The king granted Esther deliverance, deliverance of her people. And we are provided and being prepared for the deliverance of natural Israel granted by the king. The eighth point, the very human aspect, her concern for herself, that during our preparation period, we will experience the ever-present mortal tendency of concern for ourselves. It's a natural thing, and whenever anything goes against us or tendency to harm us, we immediately think of ourselves. But it is contrary to the teachings of the Master who taught us or teaches us the will of God. He teaches you not to think of yourself, to consider others. And in that consideration, much good comes about. A ninth point, overcoming herself, willing to sacrifice her life for her people, the climax of her preparation. We must be willing to put self behind us and make decisions to sacrifice our lives for the benefit of our brother. The tenth point, the result of her willingness, the victory over their enemy, death. The reward of overcoming self will result in victory over death. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we can say then that this is one of the lessons that can be received from the life of Esther. Is it not worth, not well worth consideration? Let us consider our position, our thoughts and our actions. Are they in harmony with the divine teaching through the life, through the life of Esther? Shall we follow Esther's course or fall before Haman? The choice is as simple as this. One thing is certain, though, we will be given the opportunity to make a decision in relation to God's work, whatever form it might take. That's just as sure as we are here tonight. Are we ready to make it in favor of the Lord as Esther did, even under death? Let us close our remarks with the last verse of hymn 248. Take my will and make it thine. <clears throat> it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. 
to kill thee thy royal throne. Take my love, <clears throat> my lord I pour, at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee.